0: Praise the Lord. i tell you what, folks, God is much more than a feeling. Do you know that? He's the sovereign ruler of the universe. He's the creator of all things. The Bible calls Him our Heavenly Father. He's much more than just a feeling. But I am thankful this morning that you can feel Him. We can enter His presence through praise. and As we enter His presence through praise, His manifest presence through praise, then uh, His glory comes down, and we've experienced that uh, this morning, and uh, what a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. Take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to Acts chapter number 6. Acts chapter 6, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7. We are preaching through the book of Acts because we want to get a clear picture of what a Bible-believing, Spirit-filled, New Testament church looks like. And that's what we find on the pages of the book of Acts in the early church. Now, I want to see what they're doing so we can start implementing and applying that same truth to our life. Because, folks, I want to experience the same power, the same victory, and the same revival that they were experiencing there. Now, how many of you believe God's still able to do that? God's still able by His power to bring victory to whatever we face. God is still able by His power to bring revival that we so greatly stand in need of in our churches and in this lost world that we live in. And so I want to see what God's Word says, how we can apply that truth and how we can make that real in our lives. Now, this morning, I want you to know I've heard it said, and I feel like you probably have too, that there are two types of people in this world. There's the people that would, and you can really tell which group you find yourself in just by looking at this glass. Now, some might say that this glass is half full, and you know who you are this morning. That would be the crowd that we would say are, are optimists. They have an optimistic point of view, they see the positive in every situation, and so when they look at the glass, they don't see it half empty, they see it half full. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I like being around positive people. How about you? <laughs> It brings me up to be around positive people. I enjoy being around those who see the positive, the good in every situation. And if you look, you will certainly see good in every situation. Now, I want you to know though, even though we may see the glass um, half full, it is still half empty. <laughs> now, what do I mean by that? I think a lot of times we can be so positive that we choose not to deal with problems. And that can be a great problem. Listen, I like positivity, I like being positive about the situation, I like seeing good in everything and everybody, that's all good. But now listen, if we are so positive that we ignore problems, that's going to hurt us now and in the future. And that works with everything, because guess what, we have problems in every sphere of life. But what I'm going to teach you this morning and what we're going to look at from the Word of God is how to turn problems into possibilities. Now, I want you to know that this truth that we're going to be looking at, it works, yes, for the church, and that's how I'm going to apply it, for I am your pastor. But I want you to know it works in every area of your life. It works whether you're talking about your church. It works if you're talking about your home. It works if you're talking about your workplace. It works if you're talking about your relationships out in the world. Whatever you're thinking about, whatever you're looking at, I can promise you, you can take the problems that you face and you can make possibilities out of them in every area. But you've got to learn how to do it God's way. So I don't want to be so positive, so optimistic that I don't deal with problems because all of us face problems. If you believe it, say amen. But now there's another crowd, and we've all met those too. That's the crowd that would see this glass half empty, and you know who you are, right? Right? And they usually tend to look on the more negative side of things. They always see not the good in every situation, but they see the bad in every situation. They, they, they're what I like to call the Eeyore kind of people. Do y'all remember Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? The donkey that walked around and everything was bad and there wasn't nothing good and he saw nothing positive in anything. And i got to be honest, folks, there are a lot of Eeyores sitting on church pews and we come in contact with them not only in here but out there each and every day. Isn't that the truth? A lot of negative speaking on everything. And, uh, and I, I'll just be honest, it, it brings me down to, to be around those folks. And I, I've learned to quit listening to negative people and just trust the Lord. The pessimist always sees a difficulty in every opportunity. Always. I was seen uh, talking to a man at my workplace. Maybe some of you have got some pessimists that you work with. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I was talking to a man... Uh, I guess it was two weeks ago, about a raise that we had just got at my workplace. The governor of the state of Alabama about two and a half months ago gave us a 3% uh, cost of living raise. And, and for me, that's fantastic. Anytime I can get any raise, that's good, right? Nothing wrong with that. That's not a bad thing. That's a good, good thing. But it's, it's an opportunity for me and my family. But the pessimist always sees difficulty even in the opportunity. They, they take the positive and make it naked. And so I was talking to this brother about it at my workplace, and, and I said, man, I'm glad we got that. Every little bit helps. Man, I'm just thankful the Lord blessed us with that. And he said, well, wow, goodness gracious. He said, they could at least give us 5 or 6%. He took that which was real positive and turned it to be negative all because he had a pessimistic point of view. See, there's some people that see this half full, and that's, uh, that's the optimist. And there's some that see this as half empty, and that's the pessimist. But then there's some people that don't even see the glass. I've got a dip, that's a different crowd. That, that's who I like to call the negative Nancy and the pitiful Pete's. I mean, they, all the time, they're going to see something negative in everything. They're going to find a difficulty in every opportunity. It's always, woe is me. Let me say something for to you folks. People that are in the world may see the difficulty in every opportunity, but the child of God who is Spirit-filled, Bible-believing, they see the opportunity in every difficulty. It changes, and it changes because of who we are in Christ, and it changes because of the truth of the Word of God. How do you know the truth of the Word of God tells me and tells you as a believer that God works all things together for the good of them that love the Lord? No matter what you're talking about, good things, bad things, all things, God is, a, is continually at work in our lives to bring about His good. Now, if we're going to believe that, we need to start applying it to our lives. All things are not going to be things that we perceive to be good, but whether we perceive them through our limited understanding to be good or to be bad, God still has the power in His sovereignty to work all of that together for our good. Isn't that awesome? And that's God's promise to you. So this morning, let's look to the Word of God and see how we can Take the problems that we all face in every sphere of life and turn them into possibilities. Acts chapter 6. And we're going to look verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read all that for you. We're going to pray about it. And I'm going to give you four points this morning very quickly. It says in Acts 6 and verse number 1, In those days when the number of disciples were, was multiplied. Everybody say multiplied. There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. When the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. I love this. Whom we may appoint over this business. He says, But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. He says in verse five, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Verse six. When they sent before the apostle, whom they sent before the apostles rather, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Now watch verse seven. I want you to get a hold of this, Mount Zion. Listen to what this says. And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Teach us, Lord, from your word this morning. We want to listen. We want to learn. We want to know what you want from us. And Father, we want to understand how we can turn our problems into possibilities according to your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The first thing that I want you to see here in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7 is where there is life, There is growth. Look what it says, Acts 6-1, "...and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied." Now, if you remember, if you've been here since we started in the book of Acts and preaching through this, you remember in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 47, the Bible said something like this, "...after the day of Pentecost, after God had so done a work that only He could do, through the life of the apostles, by His power, the Holy Spirit, listen, He was uh, saving souls, and the church was growing greatly by the thousands. And then the Bible says in Acts 2.47 that the Lord added unto the church daily such as should be saved. Remember we spent some time on that. We talked about how it is only God that is able to add to the church. That he does the work that we get to be a part of. And what a blessing and opportunity and privilege that is. But the Bible says in Acts 2.47 that he added unto the church. But now how many of you know God has stopped when adding when we get to Acts chapter 6. And he started multiplying. We've saw it. We've seen people come to faith by the thousands. We've seen people at one point come, about twenty-five thousand people came to faith in Jesus because of what God was doing. Now, how they were growing so fast, it's growing like it'd been shot out of a cannon. They were growing in leaps. And Bounds God was multiplying and doing to the church and for the church what only he can do by his power How is that possible folks? We got to get a hold of this truth Listen, it was possible first and foremost by the power of God at work in his people And among his people How do you understand the power of God that coupled with the preaching of the word of God is still what's changing hearts and changing lives? if you want your church to grow, how many want your church to grow? I don't know about you, but I want our church to continue grow and be what God wants. I want us to impact this community for Christ. I want us to make a difference at our workplace and at our school and everywhere we go. I want people to see Jesus in us, want what we've got, and I want God to do a great work that only He can do right here so that He might be glorified. I want our church to grow. How's it going to happen? It's going to happen just like it happened there through the power of God and the preaching of the Word of God. God has not changed. He still works in the same way, and His way is the best way. So we need to be hungry for the presence of God. And listen to me, we need to be preaching the Word of God. We need to be doing it in this service. We need to be doing it in Sunday school. We need to be doing it in small groups. We are doing Wednesday night Bible study in every class with every teacher and every student hearing the Word of God. Listen, that coupled with God, the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, we can expect growth in our church. What is alive will grow. Now, Listen. The problem that I see in the American church today is that we've got more churches than we've ever had before and we're in the worst shape we've ever been in. Do you realize right now there are 4,726 Southern Baptist churches in the United States of America? 4,726. That is an amazing number. We've got more churches than ever before. And that's just Southern Baptist churches. That's not talking about Independent Baptists and Free Will Baptists and Non-Denominational and Church of God, Methodist, Catholics. How many of you know they're brothers and sisters in Jesus too if they've trusted in Christ? We've got, to, right here in Hamilton, Alabama, we could stand at pretty much any point in the court square and it would be hard to throw a rock and not hit a church somewhere. And It's everywhere. It's like that all over the Bible Belt and in many places all over this country. There are churches everywhere, but when I turn on my nightly news or I pick up my newspaper or I go to my workplace, I get out in the world, I see that even though we've got more churches than ever, folks, we are in worse shape than we've ever experienced. Would you agree? How do I know that? We actually live in a world where... Our leaders have told us that it's okay for a man to marry a man and a woman to marry a woman. We're aborting right now millions of babies per year. And it's being funded by your tax dollars and my tax dollars. The moral climate of this country, common decency, is a thing of the past. Any of you who have looked at the Supreme Court nomination of Brett Kavanaugh over the last 3 weeks, you have seen that common decency is a thing of the past. So we're in pretty bad shape. Even though we got all these churches and that's troubling to me. That'll be troubling to you. According to LifeWay research, Ed Stetzer says that since 2012, from 2012 to 2017, they did a five-year study. And in those five years, they were looking at church growth. And according to Ed Stetzer of LifeWay Research Group, he says that in five years of the 47,246 47, churches in the Southern Baptist Convention, the majority of them have either plateaued or declining in membership. Churches are not growing, they're staying where they're at, or they're declining, not inclining. They're not growing, they're depleting. Over the last five years. The criteria used for this study is whether or not a church has baptized one new believer in the last five years. Folks, thousands of churches all over the United States of America, Southern Baptist churches just like ours, have not baptized one person in the last five years. That's a shame. And we wonder why we're in the shape we're in. How many of you know a person only gets baptized if they get saved? And they only get saved if their word of God is preached, that coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So if that's not happening, we are not being what we've been saved to be, which is the hands and feet of Jesus, the body of Christ that's making a difference in this world. What is not growing is not alive. That which is alive must grow physically and spiritually. If you believe it, say amen this morning. Now let me say something to you. There ain't a thing wrong with small churches. Some of the greatest churches I've ever been involved with or preached in have been small churches. Can I say something else? There ain't a thing wrong with big churches. Ain't a thing wrong with big churches. But there is something wrong with any church that is not reaching the lost right outside their door. If we... Claim to have been given the life of Jesus. How many of you know the gospel came to me by way of someone else? And the gospel will go to someone else. Because me and you as believers choose to tell them. Ed Stetzer said this at the end of his research study. I love it. He was quoted as saying um, that all Baptists love evangelism unless they're asked to evangelize. You know, it seems like a good idea. I mean, we read in the word of God and see how we're supposed to do it and everybody's on board for it until we are asked to do it. We've Come to find out that most people want a great church, they want a growing church, they want a powerful church, but they want to do what's necessary to have a great, growing, and powerful church. Amen. <laughs> and so, that which is alive must be growing. and How do we grow? Well, growth is don't happen by accident. Do you know that? <laughs> growth in anything don't happen by accident. Growth, first of all, takes planning, and then it takes some praying. It really does. Planning happens largely due to what we are capable of, and praying releases God's power upon the situation. So it's us working in concert with the God of heaven so that we might grow and be what God wants us to be. And it begins, listen to me, with spiritual growth. You say, well, Brother Israel, I I tell you what, I don't think God is that concerned about numbers. You don't. If you don't, you need to read the book of Acts. He talks a whole lot about them. Day of Pentecost, he gave a number. He said 3,000 people got saved. Remember that? After uh, Peter and John, by the spoken word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, the man was healed there at the gate of the temple. The Bible says thousands came to know Jesus. So God continually gives these numbers. So God is concerned about us growing numerically. Can you say amen? But numerical growth, listen, can only happen if there are spiritual growth individually with the members that's the only way this takes place and spiritual growth is a result of a spiritual life so you have spiritual life which leads to spiritual growth and then spiritual growth leads to numeric growth now how how does that apply what does that look like well as we grow in our spiritual life as we are faithful to living a life that is pleasing to the lord as believers hey we are faithful to being in the study of the word of god we are faithful and disciplined in our prayer life we are getting to know jesus can you say amen fall in love with Him. When you fall in love with Jesus then it's not a burden to come to church When you fall in love with Jesus it's not a burden to spend time in prayer When you fall in love with Jesus it's not a burden to spend time in the Word of God When you fall in love with Jesus listen, it's no longer a burden to get back to church on Wednesday night or Sunday night When you fall in love with Jesus you want to know Him more It's a relationship When I fell in love with my wife, I wanted to know her more. Amen. (laughs) Matter of fact, I can remember sitting on the phone for hours. A lot of times I just listened to her breathe. (sighs) You still there? Yeah, I'm still there. You in sleep, are you? No, I ain't sleep. Alright, so we just sat there. Wouldn't hang up. Just sit there on the phone. Why? Because I love that woman. Right now, I spend time with her. I talk to her daily. Let me tell you why. Because I love that woman. Amen. She talks to me and spends time with her. Because she loves me. We got a relationship. And it's not a burden for me to do that. Oh, that's a great blessing. Well, if I've got relationship with Jesus, a love relationship, then then I get to pray. I don't have to pray. I get to study. I don't have to study. I get to be faithful to the church. I don't have to be faithful to the church. But it's all about the relationship, our spiritual life, which leads to spiritual growth. We grow as we get a hold of the truth of the Word of God and apply that truth to our life, and we become followers of Jesus. And as we become followers of Jesus, listen Guess what's going to happen? The life of Christ is going to be pressed out through you, for He is the vine and we are the branches. And as the life of Christ is pressed out, people begin to see the joy of the Lord, the peace of God, the love that God only gives through His person, the Holy Spirit. Listen, and as all of that is lived out of our lives and people all around us want what we've got, that opens all kinds of doors for us to share this gospel. Amen. (laughs) When people want what you've got, but it takes spiritual life that brings about spiritual growth that will in turn bring about numeric growth as a whole. So how many would agree it starts with us individually? If we want to grow collectively, it starts with me individually. It starts with you individually. Living a life, growing in the Lord, being what God wants me to be as many members in one precious body, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, where there is life, there is growth. Where there is growth, there is problems. People plus progress will always equal problems, always. That's what's happening here in this church. Look in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, watch this, there arose a murmuring of the Greeks against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Let me give you the picture. There are two types of widows here. They're both Jewish women who are widows. One of them speak Hebrew and one of them speak Greek. And because the Greek-speaking Jewish women, they felt as though they were being neglected in the daily ministration. For if their needs were going to be met in that day, it was going to be met by the church. There were no social problems. or uh, What am I trying to say? Somebody help me. Programs, thank you. (laughs) There were no social programs in Rome. The church was the social program. And as people loved Jesus and loved others, they met the needs when they saw the needs. And so these widows were in need. They had no way of any income uh, that that was going to be brought into their household because they didn't have a man to bring the income in. And so the church began meeting the needs of these ladies. These Greek-speaking widows said, you know what, we're not being ministered to like we ought to be ministered to. And they probably were not. This is probably a very valid argument that they have. Because the Word of God gives it to us that that's exactly what it is. Now, I don't think anybody planned To neglect the Greek widows. Do you? The Grecians. The one who spoke Greek. But guess what? Everybody got busy. Because this is a growing church. And as everybody got busy in the midst of a growing church. By accident. Purely by accident. Somebody got left out. And it happens. Do you know that can happen with us as well? Sometimes we just get busy doing everything that we've got to do and people get left out and looked over and nobody planned it. It's just the way it happened because there are problems that come along with progress. Right? For all of us. But let me say this. If you want to find a way to be offended, you'll find one. If you're looking for an offense, believe me, you'll find one because we're all imperfect people. You'll find a problem with your pastor. You'll find a problem with your Sunday school teacher. You'll find a problem with the music. You'll find a problem with the church. If you want to be offended, you will be offended. Now, are there offenses that need to be taken seriously? Absolutely. How do you know the difference between the two? Are you offended because of your own self Is it because of something you don't like? Or are you offended because of something that's not scriptural? Are you offended because of something that would displease the Lord? We've all got to ask ourselves that question. And if we are offended because we're not adhering to the standard of scripture, we're not pleasing Jesus in some way, we need to deal with that problem. Let's not sweep that under the rug. Let's make sure we deal with that. But if you're just offended because it's something you don't like, then you need to grow up. Because guess what? Truth is, this is not about you. What are we here for? We're here to worship Him. We're here to honor and glorify Him. We're here to make Him known. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. So all of us grow in that. But there was a valid complaint here that needed to be dealt with. And Listen to me now. Where there are prob- or progress with the people of God, there are always problems. And where God sets out to multiply, Satan sets out to divide. Always. So, believe me, when God sets out to multiply his church, Satan will do everything he can to divide what God is doing. And in this case, he did it through murmuring. Now, what is murmuring? Let me give you my definition that I found this week. Man, it's really good. Dr. Adrian Rogers says that murmuring is half-uttered and half-concealed complaint. That's pretty good. It's nobody really wanting to get everything out in the open and deal with a legitimate problem. It's someone who mumbles and speaks under their breath because they want to cause trouble and they are being used of the enemy. See, if a problem is brought at the right time to the right person with the right spirit for the right reason, then that problem can and should be dealt with in the love of Christ among the people of God. But when you've got a bunch of murmurs, they're not about fixing a problem, they're about causing trouble. And you've got to be very careful about that. Do you know that when you murmur against the people of God, whether it be your pastor or your Sunday school teacher or your brother or sister sitting on the pew beside you, when you start murmuring about someone else, you are never, ever more like Satan than at that moment. Because he is a slanderer. He is the accuser of the saints. So sometimes we just need to keep our mouth shut. Amen. Amen. Don't allow Satan to divide what God wants to multiply. That's what he wants to do. So there was a lot of murmuring going on in Moses' day, you remember? That brother had a problem with murmuring all the time. I mean, he was always talking about it. God brought them out of Egypt by his power, by under the blood, brought him to the banks of the Red Sea, caused them to cross by his power as he split the Red Sea and they went through the center on dry ground kicking up dust. And as soon as they got across the Red Sea, it wasn't just a few days they started murmuring against God and against Moses. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? How's God going to do this? God is not taking care of this. We need this over here. And he was murmuring against Moses. God said something in Exodus 16. Brothers, if you will, please put this up on the screen for me. Exodus chapter number 16. Let's read verse 8. Watch this. And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord, watch what he says, hears your murmuring. So if you are a murmurer, You know what murmuring is, and you know really who the murmurers are most of the time. So if you are a murmur, be rest assured, God hears what you're saying. So if you murmur against your pastor, against your brother or sister on the pew, or your Sunday school teacher, God hears what you're saying. That ought to be truth enough to scare us to death. He says, which ye murmur against him. Now wait a minute. I thought they were murmuring at Moses. Well, they were, but God considered that to be murmuring against him. So when you murmur against a child of God, it's just like murmuring against God himself. Woo! That's some strong word, isn't it? he hears hear what you're saying against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, he says, but they are against the Lord. My goodness. Lord, help us. Not to murmur. Not to divide what God is multiplying. Not to be used of Satan, but to be used by the precious Holy Spirit to love people and help people. And brother Ben, extend some grace like you were talking about this morning. Extend the same grace to someone else that's been extended to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. Problems arise. Where there is life, there is growth. Where there is growth, there is problems. Number three, where there are problems... Folks, there are solutions. How many are thankful for that? But the solution has to be God's solution. It's important we see it. Look what it says. Acts chapter 6. Being led of the Holy Spirit, the, the apostles say, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven Men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom you may appoint over this business. Let's go back to verse 2. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Let me ask you something. Was it important, the service of tables? Was it important that these widows were being attended to and ministered to? Absolutely. And I believe with everything in me that the apostles up to this point were doing that work. They saw the need for it. They saw the need for the social gospel meeting the needs of people, but they also saw the need for the preaching of the written word. And they understood the best thing they could do for their people was to be ready to preach God's word. And so they gave the job of the social gospel, meeting the needs of those in the church, to uh, men in the church so that others might be willing to serve and meet the needs of, of what's going on in that fellowship as God has multiplied the assembly. You know what I figured out a long time ago? Folks, the greatest thing I can do for you is be ready to preach the scripture. That's the greatest thing I can do for you. Am I against visiting? No. By all means, we should do that. Am I against ministering? Absolutely, we should do that. But the greatest thing I can do for you, for the church, for the Lord is to share the word of God. To give to you what God has given me as I've spent time in prayer and studied out what God's word says. Because that's what changes things. Amen. These men understood that and they sought out those who were willing to serve. And they did this in an orderly fashion. How many know what God does, He does in order? What the Spirit does, He does in order. And they, 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 right here, God gave them a very practical solution to the problem they had that came through supernatural means. Supernaturally, the Holy Spirit gave them a practical solution. And He does that even for us today. So where there are problems, there are solutions. And when we choose to solve the problem God's way, at God's direction. Listen, God brings greater growth in spite of the problems we have. Look what happens down in verse number 7. After all this was done, and the word of God increased. Everybody see that? And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. The Bible says in verse 1 they multiplied, but then in verse number 7 it says they multiplied What does that mean? God done a great work after the problem than before the problem but it was all because the people took God's supernatural solution applied it practically to what was going on. God worked in that, used that and greatly multiplied this church that was already growing. So problems can be and should be possibilities for God to do an even greater work as long as we do it God's way can you say amen everybody stand this morning today the Holy Spirit of God is in this place such a sweet sweet spirit we have experienced just here in the last two or three weeks. I don't, I, the Lord's just blessed my soul, and I hope He has yours as well. God is wanting to do a work among His people. I believe that with everything in me. Now listen, don't you hinder that this morning by grieving the Spirit hey, if you're here today and something's been said, God has made known to you something that convicts your heart that you know you need to get right, today, let that be the day. Man, get it right. Confess your faults unto the Lord. The Bible says He'll forgive you and let's be about the business of the Lord. That's for you, child of God. That's for you, Christian. But now listen, if you're not yet born again, if you've not yet been saved, if you've not yet trusted in Christ, let me ask you to do this. If today... You've heard the truth of the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit of God is convicting your heart, drawing you unto Himself. Would you trust Jesus today? Well, I want to show you what it means to be saved. So I'm asking in this invitation time to come forward. And I, I can't save you, and walking out I don't save you, and this church sure can't save you, but I'm showing the Word of God what it means to be born again. Maybe you're here and you just want to come to these altars and bring before the Lord the needs that are going on in your life. Whether it be a lost friend, lost family member, problems in your family, problems at your workplace, problems that can become possibilities. If we do it God's way, bring it unto the Lord. I believe in a good old-fashioned altar experience because it was in an altar just like this one that God changed my life forever. So if you need Him today, you come. This time is your invitation. And God is sitting waiting with open arms, ready to meet the needs you've got, whatever that might be. So today, don't grieve the Spirit and quench the Spirit, but allow God to do His work. Whatever that might be. I'd love to pray with you. I'm here for you if you need me. Whatever God spoke to your heart, you be submissive. Brother, play for us.